When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And the Emmy goes to? 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 Breaking Bad. Batman. Modern Family. Feet. Homeland. The Crown. Succession. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Next Best Series podcast, where we talk about television over here at nextbestpicture.com. I am your host, Matt Negley. At the time of recording, is 9.06 p.m. on June 6, 2023. And here to join me today for this episode, I have Nadia Dalamonte. Hello, everyone. All right, so for... This episode, uh, given that we have a lot of things happening over at Next Best Picture regarding the Tribeca Film Festival at the moment, I didn't want this to get in the way of what we are doing over here with these television podcasts. So starting on June 15th, the voting period for the nominations for the Emmy Awards will begin. And thus, what I thought that you know would be helpful here is if we recorded an episode where Nadia and I talked about some contenders in certain categories that we are personally advocating for and that we would like for you to consider if you are listening to this, dear listener, and you happen to be a Television Academy member. Wouldn't that be nice, Nadia, if people listen to us? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they'll also listen to us when we talk about here our thoughts on HBO's The Idol which just had its first episode air the other day on the newly rolled out, upgraded, revamped, Max. Mm-hmm. Just Max. I don't know. It's a lot to talk about here. Yeah, it just doesn't have the weight of HBO, you know? I don't I don't like calling something Goofy's son, you know? <laughs> It's just not appealing to me. But, you know, Sean Parker said, drop the the, it's cleaner. Well, HBO dropped the HBO. (laughs) It's so bizarre. Like, I don't understand. I I don't understand what was wrong with HBO Max. It really really bugs me. You know what also bugs me? It bugs me that the app had bugs. And the app wasn't actually working that well initially when it first rolled out. But it seems to be a little bit better now. I digress. I'm going off on like these weird tangents all of a sudden. We're supposed to be talking about the Emmy Awards here. We're going to answer some fan questions towards the end of this episode if we have some from the community. I know it's been uh, very recent since our last recording here. But Nadia, was there anything that you caught up with recently besides the idol that you wanted to briefly touch upon before we give our thoughts on that? There is, yeah. I caught up with the 
Sydney Sweeney-led reality. Okay, I still have not had time to watch this, but yes, it's on my radar. I want to watch it. I'm going to watch it. How is it? It's fantastic. It really, it's about a whistleblowing former NSA contractor who leaked government secrets. And it it was shot in 16 days. And it's, it's super interesting because the entire screenplay is actually the real FBI transcript of the interrogation of Reality Winner. So it's, all of it is totally real and it's very gripping to watch. The director, Tina Satter, had actually adapted that transcript into a stage play in 2019. And actually, one of the first things that struck me watching the film version was imagining Sydney Sweeney doing like a one-woman show of this story on, on stage. I think she would be fantastic. And she's incredible in this. It's her first really big leading role, really. And uh, it's so tense to watch. And I think the, a big part of that is due to her performance. It's It's her performance at the center of it all that is drawing you in based on her reactions and her facial expressions and what she's focusing on, how she's being interrogated. It's really, really uh, tense and fascinating. Yeah, this sounds like it'll be right up my alley. I need to make sure I set aside time for this. It's like I said, it's so hard right now because I'm literally about to start another film festival tomorrow. Ah. (laughs) So my evenings are about to be uh, pretty crowded. So I don't know when I'm going to find time to cram in more television at the moment. I don't know when I'm going to find time to cram in anything. I haven't been able to... uh, Rewatch some of my favorite films of the year, like Past Lives or Across the uh, Spider-Verse. These are movies I probably should have seen like two or three times by now. But yeah, it's just been hard to cram everything in because that's the problem, right, is that I try to do too much. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about reality is that the, the runtime isn't too bad. I think it's just about an hour and 20, I believe. Um, so it's on the shorter side. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do here. Maybe. By the next time we reconvene here with hopefully some other people, I'll have had a chance to catch up with that. Um, I do not have anything else to really add to the television conversation in terms of what I've been watching. However, I know that you and I both watched Sam Levinson's The Idol recently. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it's a talking point at this at this point, right? And it's something that it's so funny. I saw the initial uh, ratings for this didn't even crack one million viewers for the premiere. Yeah, I saw that. Which goes to show you that you know the bad buzz and bad uh, reviews for this must have told people, hey, this is not worth checking out. And so a lot of people who may have been curious probably didn't even bother to tune in. Yeah, I mean, I could also see. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I watched the first episode, and I would personally rather not continue watching it. I just, I just thought it felt really empty and fell flat, and I didn't feel the believability. I just, I just could not get into it. The dialogue felt really, really forced and odd, and I feel like it's very concerned with 
and conscious of trying to be edgy and subversive and it just falls flat so far. Yeah, I had a very similar reaction to it. I mean, I feel that the moments where it is exploring what it's like to be in the pop music industry here in America, and I'm more so like thinking of it from the angle of dealing with reporters and social media and having, you know, people monitoring like your every move your manager like advocating for you behind your back and all of that I actually found to be interesting I like seeing that behind the curtain inside peek at you know what goes on behind the scenes and the lives of these people that we oh god here it comes idolize Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but where it all started to lose me was I, I Listen, I can understand if you want to present a character who is trying to project a certain image of herself to the rest of the world and to her fans, but behind closed doors, she's like, I guess, a bit of a, I don't know, like a sex freak. I don't, I don't, I don't really know exactly what they're trying to convey with Jocelyn, who, you know, through no fault of her own here, Lily Rose Depp, I think, is, you know, doing the best that she can with the material she has to work with. And granted, it's only been one episode so far that you and I have both seen. I know that the first two episodes premiered at Cannes, so there are some people who have seen more. And from what I've been told, it doesn't get any better in episode two. I've heard it actually gets a lot worse in terms of uh, how far it tries to provoke and the sexualization. Uh, but that was the stuff where I was, you know, constantly wondering, okay, maybe I can understand the commentary here by that by focusing on it. You know, it's a reflection upon us as a society of uh, how much we tend to sexualize, especially uh, female pop stars and how sex sells. And that's what creates, uh, you know, money and wealth and power for these people. But something about it just didn't click for me and I think ultimately where it fell was the minute that the weekend got introduced into the story Mm. because oh my god he might be charismatic on stage during his shows live performances in the recording booth but in front of the camera man he he was a vacuum sucking out all the charisma in the room (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he just falls flat. Totally. It is just just such a bland performance. I I don't want to say I was shocked because I kind of wasn't. But at the same time, I was like, really? Like, this is what you saw potential in and this is what you actually decided to run with? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's it's one of those shows that I mean, his charisma, he's really lacking it. It just does not. Nothing just pops on screen. It's just nothing. (laughs) He's giving nothing here. Yeah, no, it's man. Yeah, Yeah, I I have to say, I I, I agree with you. I don't know if I want to watch any more of the show beyond this necessarily. Uh, But once again, no, I really, really did enjoy all the interactions that Jocelyn was having with uh, Divine Joy Randolph, with Dan Levy, with Hank Azaria, like like all of that, I thought was the best stuff of the episode. Rachel Sennett, too. I mean, the cast really yes. is great. It, it is a great cast. It's just a shame that it's under 
this direction. Because I do feel like it's one of those shows where the premise and the perspective could be interesting. In this case, a female pop star and looking at exploitation from her perspective. But I feel like under the direction, it just doesn't work at all. And it just makes me think about what this show could have been had the original showrunner slash director been involved. Amy, um, I forgive me, her, I think it's Simetz? Simetz. Simetz, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay, so here's my question, ultimately. Do we think that, us included, would be singing a different tune for this show if we didn't know anything about what went on behind the scenes with this show? I, I think so. I don't know. I mean, I think I think the dialogue, maybe the conversations might be a little less out there, maybe. But I one sided. <laughs> yeah. I th- but I think what's on screen is on screen. I think it's I think it would still be subject to a lot of the same conversations that are happening now. Oh, I completely agree with that. I do. Yeah. I just think it would be a little bit more uh, even in terms of the argument. Yeah. Like there would be debate. But there would be people advocating and saying, well, it's a cautionary tale and or, you know, whatever argument they want to put forward. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like how many of us are going to, you know, ever venture into the pop music industry. But mm-hmm. anyway, my point being is that I feel like there would definitely be more of a defense being mounted for it. But that's not what I'm seeing from really anybody. No, everyone no. is just pretty much content to let it burn. Mm hmm. I will say also, too, though, in terms of sounds, visuals, like Sam Levinson, you know, he's a talented visual storyteller, but yeah, it it seems like he just suffers from the same tendencies as someone like, you know, a Darren Aronofsky or Lars von Trier. And I really, you know, I've been on record of saying this. I really, really, really enjoyed Assassination Nation when it came out. Hell, I even liked Malcolm and Marie for all of its flaws. But now with Euphoria and this too, there is sort of like this uncomfortable realm that I find that he's operating in all the time. And I... It's like, okay, like you went there before and we gave you a pass and now we're no longer handing out those passes anymore, buddy. Like, is this your only trick? Is this all you're worth? Do you have anything else to show us? Yeah. I mean, it's just, as you said earlier, I I really don't want to watch, keep watching. (laughs) Yeah. No, I know. And I'm not going to listen. I'm not making anybody watch it. (laughs) We're just talking about it for this one week and this one week only here. Yeah. Yeah. First impressions. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, we have the bear to look forward to. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So what I want to do, speaking of the bear, is I want to get to what is ultimately the meat of this episode here, which is talking about some of our favorite performers, shows, whether that's the writing, the direction, whatever it is. So what I'm going to do, Nadia is in no particular order, not in terms of first to last or in terms of alphabetical or anything. We're not even going to do category by category. It's going to be completely random. I would like you to go first in just shouting out a single contender in any category that you would like 
Emmy voters to consider when casting their nomination ballots. Go. Okay. First one, Poker Face and Best Comedy Series. A lot of new comedy series this year. It's very possible that it could get squeezed out, but at the same time, I agree with you. This whole case of the week, Natasha Lyonne leading it, Ryan Johnson's directorial flair. I thought this was very exciting television. Yeah, it's so much fun to watch. It's so entertaining. I love that each episode is totally its own universe, so you could jump into it at any point. It's clever, it's twisty, and my goodness, the guest actors, I mean, I could go on a whole other tangent on them. Everybody's just giving their A-game to it, and you have Natasha Leone at the center, who's this core of truthfulness, and she's searching for truth, and it's just so satisfying. And all of the storylines are really interesting as well. There's one really, really great Phil Tippett-inspired episode that I still I take every opportunity to rave about and it's just it's just fantastic television okay uh, for myself I'm gonna first start off with on the drama series side yes we know that we have succession white lotus sicily last of us of course they're all hbo but I really 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 hope and pray that the television academy does not forget House of the Dragon, which feels like it came out a while ago, but I thought was much better than the latter seasons of Game of Thrones and harken back to the show uh, when it was at its peak. And so hopefully voters don't feel like it has like that been there, done that kind of quality to it. Or feel like, you know, we already properly rewarded Game of Thrones. We don't need to keep on like having a slot open for this. And I really do hope that they still continue to recognize it because I was so thoroughly impressed with the first season of the show. It wasn't perfect, but considering how much of a bad taste the final season of Game of Thrones left in people's mouths, Mm -hmm. this definitely, I think, set the stage for more exciting uh, storytelling to come from the world of Westeros. It's still on my list of of shows to see. You're kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And you watch so much. I somehow just missed. I just couldn't catch up with it. And so it's on my list. But I'm excited to watch it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What's number one, Nadia? Any category? <laughs> I'm going to go the guest actress in a drama category. Mm-hmm. Carol Burnett in Better Call Saul. Oh, good choice. What a great choice. Love it. I mean, there's Bob Odenkirk, there's Ray Seahorn. They're both fantastic. But I got to shout out Carol Burnett because she is in one of the best episodes of the entire show. And part of why it's so good is her performance. Her character, without giving any spoilers, plays a role in, let's say, what happens to Saul. And so without her emotional resonance, I think the moment that their character share wouldn't have hit as hard. So she's, yeah, I, I will sing her praises. She's wonderful. And a different side to her as well than, than what people are used to. So I am going to implement a slight rule here, which is if you name a show in a certain category, you can't name that show again for another category. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
because I was actually just about to shout out Patty Constantine from House of the Dragon. And then I mm. realized, oh, my God, I'm going to just say House of the Dragon for everything. So <laughs> let me let me stop myself now from doing such a thing and uh, move over to something else here, which is. Um, I would like to shout out for writing for a limited series. I'm going to go with beef mm. for this one. Nice. I actually think that this show probably deserves to win the award ultimately. Uh, But I thought that the characterization, the way that the sequence of events unfolds in terms of this road rage incident that just kind of then unravels these two intersecting lives and gives us uh, an idea of who these two people are, but also too like really just digging very, very deep into the psychological uh, torment Trauma, self-inflicted pain, narcissism. I mean, like everything in between that you could possibly imagine uh, that these characters are going through. I found it to be complex. I found it to be extremely captivating, funny. It had so much to offer here. And whether it's a, you know, limited series or if it's a season one of a season two, I mean, like whatever. In terms of a whole story that was presented from beginning, middle to its uh, very, very end, uh, I thought that this was pound for pound probably the best limited series I think I saw all year. So that would be my choice for writing in this case. That's a good one as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go. So in the lead actress in a limited series category, which I know is very stacked with contenders this year, I am going to shout out... Dominique Fishback in Swarm. Okay, I thought for sure you were going to say Melanie Linsky. So this is really, really surprising and also extremely welcome because, yes, cosign. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I love Melanie, Melanie Linsky. I, I adore her. But I also wanted to take the opportunity to to shine some light on Dominique Fishback because she's she is I, I have not seen a performance like the one that she gives in Swarm. She is so compelling. She immediately reels you in with this bold and inspired performance. And I think she really navigates her character's villainous development with such control. And it's just a fantastic performance. And I really hope that Emmy voters pay attention to it and to her. What a great call out there. Excellent choice. Guest actor in a drama series for me, The Stash, Nick Offerman. The Last of Us. Ooh, yes. Very few episodes of television this year made such an impact on me as that third episode did of that show. And he is the reason why. I know Mari Bartlett is also a part of it. And in many ways, that episode definitely feels like a two-hander between the two of them. But I thought what Offerman had to do was extremely difficult. And it resulted in what I actually think might be the best work of his career overall, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is saying something. But also, too, I I was just extraordinarily moved by it. I also thought it was extremely uh, tender and sweet uh, while also just ripping my heart out in ways that I, 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 I was not expecting whatsoever when I began watching this show. I know many others felt the same way too, especially if you had any familiarity with the game in which the show is based on. Yeah, he he's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal in that episode. Mm-hmm. So for me, my next one is going to be 
in the Best Supporting Actress comedy category, Sarah Goldberg and Barry. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she she's just the way that she handles all the shifts in tone. And I mean, she's unbelievable. She's she's wonderful. Singing her praises, 100%. And you know what? She missed out on a nomination for the third season, which was quite shocking, considering that she got in for season two. So I really, really do hope that they can bring her back. Yeah. And I mean, this would be her last chance. So hoping that uh, voters keep her in mind. I'm going to stick with the Barry love here for a second, actually. I'm going to shout out supporting actor in a comedy series, Anthony Carrigan for Barry. Yes. Yes. I know that he's gotten in before, but I thought his work in the final season was his best work overall. Of course, the comedy was always there, but what he had to do here emotionally um, really pushed the character far beyond, I think, anything that we thought that both he was capable of and also what the character was capable of. And that created some of the best moments, I think, in the final season. A final season that overall... I wouldn't rank as the show's best necessarily. I didn't think it was bad. I'm still wrestling with how I feel about it overall, to be honest with you. But he was always a constant bright spot throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and he does such a great balance between the comedic moments and the dramatic moments as well. Such Mm -hmm. an entertaining screen presence for sure. Absolutely. So I'm going to do so best. I'm going to do the best supporting actress in a limited series. Okay. Category. Camilla Camilla Marone in Daisy Jones and the Six. Nice. Yeah. And I, I think, understandably, there's so much star power with the chemistry between Riley Keough and Sam Claffin, and they're both wonderful and electric. But she, Camilla Marone also brings this really, really great depth to her role. And in, in many ways, she is the heart of that show. And... Uh, She's just such an incredible presence, and um, I hope that uh, in the midst, in the thick of this incredible cast, that she's uh, that she gets some notice for her work. Outstanding supporting actor in a limited series. Uh, I know that. <laughs> oh man, he, he. It's funny because, on one hand, uh, given that like he and I are pretty tight, normally I would shut out Paul Walter Hauser for Blackbird. But I think even he would be okay with me singling out his co-star, Ray Liotta, for the same show, Blackbird. I would just like to see Ray Liotta one last time Mm -hmm. from Beyond the Grave get a posthumous uh, nomination. I thought that he also was good in the show and would be worthy of it. I don't think it would be a pity vote or sympathy vote or... Whatever you want to call it, I, I don't see it that way. I think that he actually did do very strong, uh, dramatic work in that show. And it would just be a nice send-off, a nice acknowledgement. Yeah, that's also on my list of um, shows to watch. And so I'm looking forward to that. And I loved loved Ray Liotta. Let me tell you something. Can I just say really quick about that show, then, if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it yet? Yeah. Taron Egerton's death like the layers that he has as an actor, the versatility, I am starting to believe that it is boundless because Mm -hmm. when you see him in that, Rocket Man, 
Tetris. I'm starting to wonder if there's nothing that this guy can do because it's it, it's pretty astounding to me. <laughs> oh, he he was so so good in Rocket Man. Yep. Robbed, robbed of a nomination. I think he'll get in for this. Yeah. I do. I think he'll get in. So for me, I'm going to go for um, the best main titles. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that you went over there. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to do The Last of Us for their main titles. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Which I think does a really, really fantastic job of settling you into the apocalyptic world and the, the growth and the spread of, of the infection. It's it's really, really well made and uh i I was reading about one of the one of the designers of the titles andy hall he had mentioned how they wanted the titles to evolve kind of in the same way that the show does beyond its source material that it goes beyond the game and it adds all these new layers to it so just thought it was really great and the music as well that it's set to is is wonderful okay uh this one this one it might be a little surprising for some people to hear. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But now that Sarah Snook moved over to the lead category for Succession, that leaves an opening in supporting actress in a drama series. So I am going to call out J. Smith Cameron. Ooh, Yes. I also would just really, really like to see a performer from Succession be nominated in every single eligible category. (laughs) (laughs) Succession for everything. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, there's even a feeling I'm starting to get that it could pull a crown and just win every category. Although that that might be a little bit difficult considering the competition in some of these uh, some of these categories here. But J. Smith Cameron, consistently excellent on the show. Has I think that there's been more awareness brought to the character of Jerry as the show progressed to the point that the writers started giving her more material, more impactful moments. And I I, I think if they, you know, play their cards wisely, I really do think that she could show up. And, uh, you know, part of that is hopefully anyone that's listening right now, please don't forget Jerry. Don't forget Jerry. One of my favorite characters. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, for me, I'm going to go, are we doing one per show or can we do like, are we doing one per category as well? Uh, we're not doing one per category. Oh, okay. I, I am just, I am trying to jump around as much as I can, but uh, only one per show. Okay. Well, in that case, so I'm going to go back to best actress in a limited series because I have to mention Rachel Weiss in dead ringers oh man this is something that like i want it to happen but i'm nervous about it happening so yeah i mean the category it's such it's such a stacked category i mean i feel like i'm i'm predicting her she's my number five right now but um i feel like i could also see her missing I i hope that she doesn't because this is what i think is her best performance or should i say performances to date she's portraying two characters and the fact that she's able to well she makes them both so fully realized and so distinctive from one another while also highlighting their similarities and conveying the codependency that those two characters have it's it's just it's such an impressive feat that she was able to accomplish just just with her 
expressions or her voice, the way that she distinguishes between these identical twins is is wonderful. It just makes the whole that show feel really real and tangible and it's it's a fantastic, fantastic performance. I could not agree more. You saw it? I finally, finally, finally watched two episodes. Yay! <laughs> I'm still working my way through. <laughs> still working my way through my way through. I didn't want to like comment on it until I like watch more. Yeah. But yeah yes, yeah. I, I did finally find time to start. Nice. I'm gonna go for my next one with lead actress in a comedy series, Jenna Ortega for Wednesday. And this is an interesting one because on one hand, I can understand if Wednesday is like perceived as like almost like a CW type of show in some, you know, just I, I like I, I understand, like I get the perception of it, right? But I think that she's just so perfectly cast for this character that people have familiarity with. And she once again is able to, I think, show us uh, more of her uh, versatility uh, with this role. And also, she's just having a career moment right now. Let's just keep the momentum going. Why not? I think between this, Scream, and every other project that she has going on right now, it would be really cool to see her career get this kind of a boost, I think. Yeah, also recently the the fallout, her performance in that uh, was fantastic as well. She was unbelievable in that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I still have a couple episodes to go from on Wednesday. That's, that's also on my list. But uh, from what I've seen so far, yeah, she's really, she just completely owns that character and that role. I'm not trying to cheat here by saying this. I'm, like, I'm legitimately posing a question to you. Wouldn't it be nice to see Tim Burton get some recognition for that too? Yeah. Like, I just don't feel like he ever gets any awards recognition ever, so... He really doesn't. Right. There's yeah. an opportunity there. Just saying. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with... Oh, I had it in my head. Okay, so since I haven't mentioned Yellow Jackets yet, <laughs> <laughs> apart from an, honor- an honorable mention of Melanie Linsky, I'm going to go to the supporting actress in a drama series... And shout out Christina Ricci. Love it. In Yellow Jackets. And I know that this new season is not, I, I re, it's, it's really not as good as the first season. It's kind of all over the place. But I maintain that the cast is totally innocent. And the acting is just as just as great as it was in the first season. And she's included in that. It, it She plays such an odd character. And she nails it. She just... I feel like I can't imagine anybody else playing those shifts in tones and those comedic beats. And it's a, it's a really unique performance that, uh, that Christina Ricci gives there. Okay. Two more. You ready? Okay. All right. Uh, for my second to last one here, I'm going over to directing for a comedy series and I'm calling out Christopher Storer for The Bear. Mm. I don't know specifically which episode, but if I had to put forward an FYC, I would say it should be uh, Review, which is the episode that is shot as one continuous take, so to speak. Uh, it's only, I think, 
20 minutes long. It's a very, very short episode, but I'm pretty sure I think it's like 18, 17 minutes, whatever it is, is all that one single take. And the amount of anxiety, the drama, the conflict that was uh, on display between these characters, the acting, I have not felt that tense watching anything, probably since Uncut Gems. Hmm. And I think that's saying something. I know that comparison gets drawn around a lot nowadays, but I really believe that it actually was true here. If if they don't choose to submit this episode, then by all means, submit the first episode, right? System. Mm-hmm. I think that that would work out perfectly okay, too. It sets the tone for the rest of the show. I think it's got a very unique editing style uh, that they constantly utilize throughout. So... Either one. I don't think you could go wrong here, but I, I, if I had my way, if you wanted to like really show off, you know, the possibilities of this show, and also to just highlight something that, quite frankly, just makes the show feel as unique as it is, I, I, w- I personally would go with episode seven. Nice, so. nice call out. For me, I'm also gonna stick to the directing. I'm gonna go drama, and I'm gonna say Peter Gould for. Better Call Saul. Oh, but you already mentioned Better Call Saul earlier. Oh, no. Yeah, I oh, knew I Matt. knew one of us would trip up oh, first. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Okay. Hey, you know what? Peter <laughs> Gould appreciates it. <laughs> I was going to say the finale, but. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you on it, but yeah, what, what else you got? <laughs> I, okay, so I'm going to do the um, best documentary special category. Mm-hmm. Still a Michael J. Fox movie. Oh, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that one really, I went into it with um, just the expectation of, okay, I, I love Michael J. Fox and I'm sure that I'm going to enjoy this um, to some extent. But I, what I wasn't expecting was the use of the archival footage and recreational footage and all this footage from Michael J. Fox's career that was intertwined with the present day footage of him. I, I I thought that was such a creative and interesting way to tell the story of that documentary while also adhering to the spirit of Michael J. Fox, always quick, quick witted, um, fast comedic timing. Th- those parallels will, were so resonating and fascinating and it just it made for a really uplifting and and um entertaining documentary i completely agree i i just saw it again recently for a second time after watching it at sundance and it played even better for me on a second viewing than it did the first viewing i thought that the blending of the footage that they gathered from his television work to any archival footage that they had available and then mixing in these reenactments as well. Yeah. Some of the most seamless blending I've ever seen in a documentary. Yeah. Even the way the, like some of the dialogue, the pieces of dialogue were blending. It was really so impressive. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have not mentioned this show yet. So I can say outstanding drama series Better Call Saul. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying this because I got my wish recently with Rhea Seahorn finally getting nominated for the show. Yes. yes. (laughs) 
now what worries me is I'm getting the sense that the Television Academy is starting to teeter away uh, from this absolutely perfect show. The final season in particular is one of the best seasons of a show I've ever witnessed. I literally had no notes for it whatsoever. I thought it was, dare I say, even better than Breaking Bad. Agreed. I Yeah, which I know, like, even for me, Breaking Bad's my like favorite show of all time. It, it's, it doesn't sound right to say that, but when I really think about story and character and how well they just really honed in on the storytelling here... You know, Breaking Bad could rely on action set pieces and these like shocking, dramatic reveals and moments of, uh, you know, murder or violence, whatever it was. Right. But this show, even though it had a little bit of that, it wasn't always dependent on it to tell its story. And the character work, the way that the character arcs were laid out for us and how they unfolded over the course of not even just a whole show, but this final season in particular, like I said, just not a false note anywhere to be found. And it would be a shame, a crime, if in its final, final season that many people deem to be the best of the show, And I understand that Succession is going to completely sweep the board this year at the Emmys. I totally, totally get that. But for the love of God, at least nominate Better Call Saul in all eligible categories. Uh, I just like I, I, I think it would be just such a crime at this point for the nominations to start to drop off with it, because by this point, I mean, let's face it, the Television Academy, I don't think, has ever fully cared about Better Call Saul. It's never even won a primetime Emmy Award. Just crazy. Right. But so at this point, I'm just fighting for it to stay alive. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the temperature has certainly cooled on how much buzz that show was. There was a point where it it did reach a particular high and then it just kind of fizzled. So I am totally with you, Matt. I, I really hope it at least gets nominated particularly in that category because it's it's wonderful work so i i have not mentioned succession oh so i'm gonna mention succession in the directing category Ooh, okay yes mark mylod mark mylod yeah and the one the episode that i'm thinking of in particular is the penultimate episode which is Church and State. Okay. Episode nine, because oh, it just, it hits so hard and it's so resonating and it's particularly the portrayal of grief with, um, with Roman's character specifically. I thought that was so beautifully handled and really true to life and resonating and the, the entire arc of that character just in that episode alone from the beginning with the sort of trying to put on a mask and um thinking that he's got uh i don't without i don't want to spoil anything so thinking that he's got he's in control of something and then totally falling apart at the end that was just so powerful and yeah i mean the direction in that episode i mean 
throughout the season has been absolutely phenomenal. But that episode in particular really, really stood out. So I'm going to shout out Succession for direction. I'm not going to take anything away from it for what you just said. I completely agree with you. But it's like wild to me that Mark Mylod could submit that episode. He could submit Connor's wedding. Yeah. He could submit the finale. <laughs> they might as well just give him the damn award for all of those episodes. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, how do you choose? Right? Yeah. Oh, man. What an incredible final season that was. Yeah. They, they stuck the landing. Truly. Sure. They did. Yeah. I mean, Succession already was rising up as one of my favorite shows of all time because admittedly the first season was a little rough for me to get into mm -hmm. yeah me too and, and i have never rewatched it so i'd be very curious to like go back now and rewatch it and see if i like it more but then by season two i really started to like ease into it and i got really attached to it and i just remember the way that season two ended kendall ripping up those notes and oh. <laughs> walking off i was like this show is fantastic yeah uh, like every ending of every season in particular was just yeah oh, so good yep i remember when you first uh finished the uh first season i remember telling you you're my number one boy oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, uh, team kendall but yeah season three was when i started to really really notice the direction of the show and I, that's when I started like treating it as appointment viewing. That's when I started like, oh, I gotta be, I gotta be around on Sunday night to watch Succession, and that just hit an even greater high in season four. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna miss this show so much. Yeah, already missing it. Truly. Yeah. Truly, I am. Okay, well, that was a lot of fun here. Um, Emmy nomination voting opens up once again on June 15th, and it goes until June 26th. And, of course, we will get the uh, final nominations themselves on July 12th with the Emmy Awards taking place on September 18th. And, of course, like last year, I will probably be at TIFF when that happens. Yeah. And so will you, Nadia. <laughs> Tis the season. Tis the season. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, now we didn't have a lot of time to gather uh, many fan questions for this episode here, but we did get a couple. So let's see what they had to ask us here. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Richard Houlihan asks, do you think the mixed reactions to Ted Lasso season three make it vulnerable to win outstanding comedy series? If it loses, which show do you think wins? Uh, I, th I think to an extent it could hurt it a bit. I, I don't think it will by a substantial amount. Um, but I think if that is the case, then probably Abbott Elementary, I could see winning. One thing to keep in mind with Ted Lasso here is I look at the IMDb ratings for this show and yeah, there's some dips in the third season, but 
the finale got pretty good ratings here. It's got like a 9.5 on IMDb. Oh, wow. And the second to last episode has a 9.3. Before that, it's like a lot of episodes are in the, are like, you know, in the, in the point. Yeah. Like the eights. Some stuff, like I said, dips a little bit below, but it's not that drastic of a dip as much as some critics are making it out to be. And I agree with you, Nadia. I don't really see the television Academy completely turning a blind eye on it. With that said, though, yes, I do think it is vulnerable. And I think it does pave the way for Abbott Elementary to possibly win over it in the end. Yeah. Very, very possible. Real Talk, 1313. We might have already answered this before, but which actor who has never been nominated at the Emmys would you love to see nominated this year? Ooh. Hmm. Let me think about that. Mm-hmm. Let me think about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I can't get Dominique Fish back out of my head. That's a good one. Yeah, like, that would be such a great first nomination. So well-deserving. Okay, I've got two. And they're from the same show. Father and Daughter. Patty Constantine for House of the Dragon. Emma Darcy, House of the Dragon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised. I uh, just skimmed through Patty Constantine's uh, filmography and I did not see an Emmy nomination in there anywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he's done a lot of work. That's what, yeah, that, that just... Yeah, that took me by surprise just now. Yeah. Emma Darcy, obviously, I wouldn't have expected to see an Emmy nomination in there, but really, really, really hoping uh, that they can crack the lineup. That would be really cool. I would like to actually personally even see a win because I just think that that would be a really historic uh, moment. Yeah. Especially also considering I would be very interested to hear what they had to say up at the microphone. So... That'll be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. We got Reekake Zero O. Uh, do you think there's a chance for Bob Odenkirk to win at the Emmys with strong contenders like Jeremy Strong, Kieran Culkin? Oh, basically everybody from Succession. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know, here's my hope. I wouldn't mind seeing... Brian Cox, Jeremy Strong, and Kieran Culkin all getting into the lead actor category. And the reason why I say this is because, yes, of course, they are worthy. Cox, you know, a little less so just because of screen time. Mm -hmm. But his inclusion in that category, to me, I think would possibly result in some vote splitting. Which would allow Bob Odenkirk to then come up the middle. Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not predicting Bob Odenkirk, but I think there is a world in which that could happen. What's most interesting is that after giving this like a very considerable amount of thought, surprisingly, the person I would probably give the Emmy to in the category, other than Bob Odenkirk, because let's be clear, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving it to Bob Odenkirk, mm-hmm. um, would actually be Kieran Culkin. Yeah. You know what? I, I, the more that I'm sitting with it, succession, I would, I agree with you there. Yeah. It's yeah. also like one of those things too, where it's like Jeremy Strong already has one. Mm, Brian Cox yeah. has one from like other shows, you know, not for this, but you know, he's got stuff on the mantelpiece at home. 
Kieran, I think, did his best work of the entire show in this final season. Oh, yeah. I mean, he when I say he broke me in episode nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just he destroyed me. Yeah. (laughs) Like what a what a great moment there. And not just that, too, but also Connor's wedding. Yeah. The finale. I thought that the scene where he, you know, confronts Madsen on the uh, the mountain was another yeah. great moment for Kieran too. Lots to choose from. Yeah. Lots and lots and lots. Absolutely. Paul Rye, what's your favorite nomination for a guest starring role, actor or actress? Ooh. Did it mean like forever? It it uh, it sounds like it. Yeah. Like. Okay. Overall, yeah. Let's see if I can find one. Oh, I have one. Mm-hmm. I think it was a guest. Um, Margot Martindale in The Americans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember like how that started to become like a running joke. <laughs> oh, what a great show. I, I really, I, I love to rewatch it at some point. Yeah, The Americans is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Definitely didn't get as much love during its run as I was hoping it would. And then, like, it seemed towards the end of its run, everybody started to finally like, catch on to how good it was. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've noticed about the guest, like, actor and actress categories sometimes is that usually when a show misses the boat in terms of being able to nominate someone for a season that they actually had a lot of material to work with, Mm -hmm. then that character is like killed off or something. And then in the next season, they appear for like one episode and then that's the thing they get nominated for. Yeah. It almost just feels like it's a makeup award uh, for what came before. And that, that always frustrates me to no end. Yeah. With that said, I'm still trying to think of one in recent memory that I like really, really, really liked. Um, yeah, there's so many. Hmm. Um, you know what? I I do remember because I love I love the show when it was on air. I do remember Henry Ian Cusick from Lost, who played uh, Desmond. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember he got in. Yeah. And Lost didn't typically get like guest actor nominations often mm-hmm. if not really i don't think like ever really oh wow i think it was just him oh i'm i was thinking of um i think i i think she got nominated for this this is the the comedy guest actress in a comedy it was um did she get nominated for this kate winslet in, in extras oh did she yeah Mm-hmm. yes she did yes yes i mean as a big fan of hers i have to Mention that. <laughs> you gotta mention her. You gotta. Where she plays a kind of twisted version of herself, and it's to this day one of her most entertaining performances. Okay, so as I was saying before, uh, not many questions this week, uh, just because we decided to do this at the last minute uh, here to, like I said, just shout out some of these performances, some of the writing, the directing, the shows in general that we really wanted to shine a a spotlight on before nomination voting commences. Uh, So, But thank you, though, for those of you that did send in your questions. We really, really appreciate it all the interaction that you give us here on the show. And we hope that you've been enjoying more of our deep dive analysis into this year's Emmy Award season. So Nadia, for all those that are listening right now, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Nad Reviews and on Instagram at Nadia Reviews. And you could find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 35 of the Next Best Series podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast umbrella. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, drop us a comment. It helps uh, our show to get discovered by other people. So we really, really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get exclusive podcast content from us, including our other episodes of Next Best Series that don't pertain to the television award season. Those episodes are usually given out via a preview for free, but if you pay on Patreon, you do get the full-length episodes there. We always appreciate your contributions. We always appreciate your support. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.